Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed. In today's top stories, we speak with the Commissioner for the Virgin Islands Police Department, Ray Martinez. Chief Negotiator for the Office of Collective Bargaining, Ms. Joss Springett, gives some insights into negotiations. The Federal Reserve Bank of New York announced the appointment of St. Croix native Frandel Gerard to the New York Fed's Community Advisory Group. These are some of your stories and more for today's WTJX Newsfeed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX Newsfeed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. In a sit down interview with the Commissioner for the Virgin Islands Police Department, Commissioner Ray Martinez provided some insight into the priorities of the department as it pertains to ensuring community safety. As far as from a priority standpoint, it's all about how we respond to the effectiveness and the efficiency of responding to the um, cases, calls, and service. As we see it right now, we're getting into that time of the year where from a statistical standpoint, the late October, November, and, and early December for whatever reasons, we always have an uptick in crime. A lot of it we contribute to the fact that Christmas is coming around. So bad actors, of course, want a few dollars more to be able to have monies to spend during the Christmas season. And as a result, they, um, they tend to be a little more um, outgoing in their acts of, um, you know, for the, and of course, those acts oftentimes lead to violence. With the recent armed robbery on St. John and the increase of armed robberies on the island, Commissioner Martinez told us. St. John is, um, is oftentimes a little difficult to, uh, to deal with because you're talking about, um, you know, it's like this sleepy little community where you don't necessarily always have a lot of crime. So what we have had to do was to readjust our, um, the personnel that we have, that we have there. And, um, we're utilizing a lot of um, intelligence gathering as to who these perpetrators should be. Uh, we can share that we do not, we strongly um, believe that they are not all from the island of St. John. So now we're taking it, utilizing that intel. We're um, quickly, um, expeditiously formulating our plan of action as to how we're going to move forward to, um, to quell this, um, this uptick. And I think a lot of it has to do as well with the, um, like most crime, and especially violent crimes, they're crimes of opportunity. The, um, you know, no one's going to see a police officer on the corner in downtown Cruise Bay and rob someone right there. So obviously they're paying close attention. These um, bad actors are paying close attention to where our personnel are, the movements of our personnel. I'm pretty certain they know when our um, personnel are changing shifts, you know, and all of that stuff. So now we have to take, um, understanding that, we now have to shift the balance and to shift how we do things and shift our initiatives. And that's what we're, um, we're taking a look at right now. We inquired where the department had made progress on the shooting incident on St. Croix, where officers were fired upon. We're pretty much about 90% certain as to who it is. And um, now it's about building the case. Because again, knowing who it is, uh, we can't take that to court. 
In more news, Senator Kenneth Gittins is calling for an emergency committee of the hold hearing to address the St. Croix water crisis. Some of my colleagues have proposed some remedies. However, uh, none of us are operating with the information necessary to help formulate a comprehensive plan to address the issue at hand. It is unclear at this time or at this point as to exactly how many Virgin Islanders are even impacted by this contaminated water. And I said Virgin Islanders and not specifically St. Croix because we're all affected. You know, our schools are affected, uh, government offices are affected, uh, regardless of what side of the island uh, you live on or you might be traveling uh, inter-island. Uh, I requested that an emergency committee of the whole hearing be held to hear from officials uh, of the Water and Power Authority, uh, other government officials such as DPNR and uh, some other entities, uh, and even residents on this issue. We do not know enough about this uh, water crisis, and we must seek immediate answers on, on the record. This is a serious problem which uh, requires a serious response. First, uh, we had the refinery dropping contaminants on people's roofs, uh, and now this. I am not sure what the answer is, but I know I have many questions to ask. Uh, we may need to bring a portable desalination system here that can bypass WAPA lines and, and be directly linked to, to schools and homes without cisterns, as well as distributing drinking water in the in the, in the meantime. Uh, there is much to be discussed, and I'm just hopeful that we can have this committee of the whole within the legislature so that we can have answers provided to the residents of the territory, but particularly on the island of St. Croix. As we move down the news feed, earlier this week, we spoke with Gerard Jerry Jackson, staff representative for the United Steelworkers Union, who took aim with the Office of Collective Bargaining over what he says are delays in contract negotiations. We caught up with Chief Negotiator for the Office, Ms. Joss Springett, who provided some insights into the number of bargaining agreements they have at a glance. Of the 35 agreements, 14 are currently expired, 10 have current agreements, one has wage negotiations completed and is awaiting finalization, eight are currently in negotiations, and one, the United Steelworkers Union Masters Agreement, is awaiting negotiated bargaining agreements to be finalized. Ms. Springett noted that the department was established in 1980 and that the contracts from the department's inception may have once looked like small pamphlets, where now they may look like textbooks. As lab labor relations has expanded, union membership has increased. Over 70% of government is unionized. However, our office and the way we do things has not grown with that. Less than two months ago, Ms. Springett urged legislators to modify Act 4440 to allow for annual wage hikes without negotiations. She relayed to senators that she believed the inability to grant wage hikes during negotiations would result in several employees waiting for years before negotiations could be finalized. Sometimes only four or five unions receive an increase in a year because this is where, you know, it, it depends on what contracts have been negotiated and which ones are current. If the governor were able to grant an increase pending negotiations, 
more employees would be seeing an increase on a regular basis. And you won't have individuals saying, I have not received an increase since 2007, 2010, and on and on. We inquired about the various negotiations with the United Steelworkers amid their recent protests, where negotiations have been delayed because of timing and scheduling conflicts. To that, Ms. Springett relayed, United Steelworkers has a number of bargaining units. I believe they have eight. On the list that you have, you'll see that four of their contracts are current. Um, we have one that's pending the governor's signature, and then we have about three or four more that are either ongoing or expired. And actually, United Steelworkers is the union that I've negotiated the most with during my term as chief negotiator. You know, if I had it my way, in a perfect world, all these contracts would be current. Ms. Springett informed us that they had reduced their caseload by 20% and that negotiations are always ongoing on top of other workload within the Office of Collective Bargaining. We asked whether a lack of staffing hindered the timely progress of negotiations. I think, yes, staffing is impacting my office. I think... When it comes to staffing, we are all struggling with the lack of staffing. There's a shortage not just locally, but nationally. And so majority of the staff uh, is is uh, assigned to the legal unit that handles that. It's important for us to look at other ways to improve the efficiency of negotiations. The U.S. Virgin Islands has sent an 11-person team to Santiago, Chile for the Pan American Games. Ahead of the opening ceremony this evening, we spoke with Angel Chico Morales, president of the Virgin Islands Olympic Committee, to give us some details as the athletes embark in competition. We have um, 12 athletes in six sports. We have in swimming. We have three swimmers. We have two in archery, two athletes in um, track and field. Then we have one in fencing. One golfer, um, many of the sports will be beginning tomorrow. Um, one of them is swimming, in which we will have uh, the swimmers competing. Most of our athletes start competing towards the end. Golf, fencing, archery, track and field. In August, the legislature approved Bill Number 35-0014, an act to honor and commend the 2023 Central American and Caribbean Games gold medal winners. The act celebrated the USBI's senior women's national basketball team and the first-ever gold medal-winning archer, Nicholas Diamore. Speaking on Diamore, Mr. Morales relayed, They definitely know about him and they have him on, on the radar because they, they're shooting to compete against him. They, 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 they are aware of his abilities, uh, his uh, world ranking. As you know, he he's, he's, uh, has a high ranking uh, among the artists in this uh, sport. The games can be streamed via the Santiago 2023 app found in the Google Play or Apple Play Store or by visiting santiago2023.org for more information. In more news, the U.S. Coast Guard crews are continuing to respond to the vessel grounding of the Bonnie G cargo ship in the waters south of the Cerro King Airport on St. Thomas. The vessel ran aground on the morning of October 4th during Tropical Storm Philippe. 12 crew members on board abandoned ship in a life raft and was rescued by Coast Guard crew who brought them to the Crown Bay Marina. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration experts completed their marine environmental assessment 
and determined that vessel operations were not impacting coral in the area. On Sunday, divers recovered approximately 2,500 pounds of debris from the ocean floor. With the upcoming threat of Tropical Storm Tammy to the region, Governor Albert Bryan provided comments to the ongoing salvage of the ship. So on the Bonnie G, we still have a vessel that is full of uh, fuel. And uh, we, uh, this time the Coast Guard is, has been working on this with Director Joshin. Uh, the plan was uh, to unload all of that fuel. We're currently waiting on a barge to come from Louisiana. Of course, the weather uh, creates another uh, stopgap for that. So we're expecting that barge, hopefully weather preventing sometime next week of which we will be taking off all the fuel because the ship is so heavy that we can't pull it off of the reef uh, right now. But what we don't want to happen, we don't want to have rough seas or anything dislodge that vessel. So they're doing what they can to secure it. Uh, once we take the fuel off of it, then we will have the salvage ships that are coming in and the cranes or whatever to maybe ease that boat up and off of the reef that it's uh, currently lodged on. Uh, as the Coast Guard has told me and shared with me, it's a pretty hard wedge in there, and it's a lot of fuel on there, so it's a heavy, a heavy situation right now. So it probably would not move during the storm, but you never know. Um, that is a concern of us. So getting the fuel off, lightening the load on the ship, and then moving the ship off is a plan. Uh, all of that activity is supposed to happen next week, uh, weather permitting. Uh, let's pray for the best on that. As we continue to progress down the news feed, the Federal Reserve Bank of New York announced the appointment of Frandel Gerard to the New York Fed's Community Advisory Group. The Community Advisory Group is comprised of leaders of nonprofits, community organizations, foundations, and anchor institutions. The goal of the advisory group is to provide the New York Fed to include its president, John C. Williams, with a real-time view of the economic issues faced by various communities and individuals across the 2nd District. A St. Croix native, Ms. Gerard is the executive director of CHANT, the Crucian Heritage and Nature Tourism, a local nonprofit dedicated to promoting heritage and nature tourism for the island of St. Croix. Prior to joining Chant in 2009, Ms. Gerard was a business counselor with the University of the Virgin Islands Small Business Development Center on St. Croix. We spoke with Ms. Gerard to tell us about her new appointment. Deanna James, the president of the St. Croix Foundation for Community Development, uh, had served in the position and actually recommended me for the position. And I guess my background in economics and business and understanding the role of the Fed and what they do, um, and just being able to advocate for the people of the Virgin Islands. Responding to inquiry about how she hoped her new role would contribute to the overall mission of the council, Ms. Gerard stated, You know, it's really elevating the voice of the Virgin Islands community, identifying areas where partnerships can be built between the bank and the Virgin Islands community to really spur community-based economic initiatives. I think that's the biggest role that I can have. You know, we had the opportunity to meet with the uh, president of the bank and his staff. They visited the VI a few months ago, and, you know, they're making a real effort to gather data and become more active because, unfortunately, a lot of our data isn't, in, isn't included 
primarily because it's not available in a lot of the assessments that are being done. So that's one of the efforts that they're working very hard to identify organizations and individuals that can assist with that data gathering. As we move down the news feed, yesterday the Virgin Islands Police Department reported that on Monday at 7.50 in the morning, the body of a black male was found floating in the water in the area of the promenade on Veterans Drive on St. Thomas. Currently, identification by next of kin is still pending. An autopsy will be conducted to determine the cause of death. The case is currently under active investigation, and anyone with information is asked to contact 911, the Criminal Investigation Bureau at 340-774-2211, or Crime Stoppers VI at 1-800-222-8477. Director of Communications for the Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority, Chanel Peterson, is informing the public about a scheduled electrical service interruption on the island of St. Croix. Please be advised of a scheduled electrical service interruption occurring Saturday, October 21, 2023 from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. During this time, customers on feeder 9B will experience a temporary outage lasting approximately one hour so WAPA personnel can reroute a portion of the feeder near VI paving to allow for the installation of a temporary bridge. Feeder 9 Bravo includes the following areas. Adventure, RODS Heights, Castle Burke, Central High School, Clifton Hill, Croyville, Educational Complex, Estate Diamond West, Golden Grove, Mount Pleasant West, New Works, Paradise, Profit, St. Croix Renaissance, St. George, and the University of the Virgin Islands. The authority thanks the community for its understanding. As we update, the Department of Planning and Natural Resources Division of Coastal Zone Management is collaborating with the Friends of the St. Croix East End Marine Park to host its annual Trunk or Treat Halloween event. Kelsey Troutman, Environmental Outreach Coordinator for the department, provided us with details to this year's festivities. This will be our third annual Trunk or Treat event hosted at the East End Marine Park. It just gives kids a chance to come out, enjoy the park. We have a great space out here. It's a big old field. We put up lights so that it's all well lit. And it gives them an opportunity to kind of experience Trunk or Treating just in one safe place. We do ask people to bring, you know, individually wrapped candies, goods and stuff, books even, um, not just candy. So people are able to hand out educational material as well. The visitor center is also open throughout the entirety of the event. And our visitor center showcases a lot of our marine resources here in territory and specifically within the marine park. Uh, We will have some costume contests, music, St. Croix Environmental uh, Association. They also will come out and do an educational piece, usually about bats and wildlife, nocturnal wildlife. We usually do have a couple food vendors come out as well. And it's actually hosted at the old Camp Arawak grounds. That's what most people know it as. It's a free event. And we're trying to get more trunks. Like the more, the merrier. We have a lot of space. um, So the more decorated displays. People do tents, tables. Sometimes they just do their whole cars, like the trunk of their cars. Um, So the more decorated displays that we can have, the better, because then it just makes the event more successful and more fun. For those interested in providing a decorated setup, volunteering, or completing community service hours at the event, contact Kelsey Troutman at kelsey.troutman at dpnr.vi.gov or call 340-718-2222.
3367. That's Kelsey, K-E-L-C-I-E dot Troutman, T-R-O-U-T-M-A-N at gov. You can also sign up by going to eventbrite.com by searching Trunk or Treat E-E-M-P Halloween. As we move down the WTGX news feed, we're turning now to the regional report. A former justice official considered one of the main suspects in the 2021 assassination of Haitian President Jovenel Moise was arrested Thursday in Haiti's capital after being on the run for more than two years, police said. Reporting from the AP News states that Joseph Badillo once worked for Haiti's Ministry of Justice and at the government's anti-corruption unit until he was fired for alleged ethics violations weeks before the assassination. Badillo was arrested in the neighborhood of Petionville in Port-au-Prince. That's according to the National Police spokesman, Gary Desrosiers. Several people have been arrested after Moise's assassination, including 11 men now in U.S. custody. We reported last week that former Haitian Senator John Joel Joseph, one of the 11 men in custody in the United States, pleaded guilty to charges related to the assassination. A federal judge has set his sentencing for December 19th. Two other people have also pleaded guilty to include Haitian-Chilean businessman Randolph Jar, who was sentenced in June to life in prison. The sentencing for former Colombian soldier German Alejandro Rivera Garcia is set for October 27th. Among the people arrested after the killing included 18 former Colombian soldiers who are in custody in Haiti. Prosecutors in the U.S. have alleged that there was a broad plot among conspirators in both Haiti and Florida to hire mercenaries to remove President Moise and benefit from contractors from a successor administration. Since the assassination, the Caribbean country has experienced a surge of gang violence that led to the prime minister requesting deployment of armed forces. The UN Security Council voted in early October to send a multinational force led by Kenya to help fight the gangs. Kenya has not yet set a date for deployment. As we update the news feed, we're turning now to the territory's weather forecast. Here's the latest look at your short-term forecast for the Virgin Islands. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. Scattered showers will continue under mostly cloudy skies this afternoon at St. Croix. Temperatures will climb into the middle and upper 80s. Winds are stronger from the east at 20 to 25 miles per hour with gusts as high as 30. At St. Thomas and St. John, scattered showers are also expected under mostly cloudy skies. Winds are very similar between 20 and 25 miles per hour out of the east. Tonight, we're expecting mostly clear skies, then the chance for a few more showers late after midnight at St. Croix. Temperatures will fall back into the upper 70s and the lower 80s. Across St. Thomas and St. John, it's very similar. Clouds will increase overnight to a few scattered showers. Temperatures will fall back to near 80. And we continue to watch the movement of Hurricane Tammy across open Atlantic waters. This cyclone is expected to pass east of the Virgin Islands as we go through the weekend. However, tropical storm conditions are possible away from Tammy Center Saturday night into Sunday. The concern at this time is for sustained winds from the northeast between 20 and 35 miles per hour with gusts as high as 40 to 50 miles per hour Saturday night into Sunday with tropical showers expected as well. No significant impacts are expected to the Virgin Islands at this time, though we'll continue to watch this part of the forecast closely. That's the latest look at your forecast. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. We are at the end of today's WTJX newsfeed. I'm Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. Be sure to download the WTJX app. And if you miss a part of our news, 
Listen to it on demand wherever you get your podcasts. We now return to All Things Considered.